welcome to another episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm David Onigman, and Jambase is a proud partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. On this episode, we'll hear my interview with Brad Barr of the Barr Brothers and The Slip. The Slip are headed out for their first real tour in quite some time. That chat is coming right up, but first, let's hear a bit about this episode's sponsor, Grateful Fred. I'm not sure if you've seen what the guys over at Grateful Fred have cooked up, but they've tapped into a pretty cool way to display our love of the dead on our cars. They started out by making the officially licensed Grateful Dead 13-point chrome bolt. The bolt is exactly like it sounds. It's a perfectly sized, snazzy little chrome bolt, super easy to apply, and it's all designed to blend perfectly with the rest of the chrome on our cars. That's where Grateful Fred got its start, but since then, they've expanded their dead-based offerings, and then some. One of the latest pieces of eye candy is the chrome Grateful Dead logo. This one will turn the head of any deadhead. It's just a beautifully designed chrome car badge. And like most of their stuff, it comes in matte black too. Okay, so Grateful Fred wooed me with the bolt and all these beautifully designed car badges. But earlier this year, they rolled out something completely different. And this I hadn't seen before. Metal stickers. Very different than any sticker I've seen. These things are impossibly thin pieces of metal, and somehow, they've managed to capture just an unbelievable amount of detail with each design. The metal steely is just something that needs to be seen. And the metal terrapins, and the dancing skeleton, and the bears, you get the idea. And naturally, the metal stickers look awesome on car windows. But windows are just the beginning. Now you're able to identify your laptop, turntable, speakers, toaster, TV, steering wheel, mirror, fridge, light switch, piano, toilet seat. Okay, maybe not the toilets, but it's always nice to know you could if you wanted to. All right, I really encourage you guys to check out Grateful Fred. Head on over to grateful-fred.com to check out all their bolts, car badges, and of course, those metal stickers. Before we get into my chat with Brad, I figured I'd do a quick rundown here of all the crazy and inventive things that went on this year for Halloween. One of the most important live music holidays there is. Many artists went super big this year for Halloween, and can you blame them? It's basically like we all had to pack two live music Halloweens into one because, well, not many bands were playing shows on Halloween 2020 now, were they? Fish took on the persona of an interstellar band from the year 4680 for their musical costume on Halloween at Las Vegas's MGM Grand Garden Arena. That show clocked in at over four hours, making it in a small group of fish shows that have ever cracked that length. Dead & Company's Halloween concert at Los Angeles's Hollywood Bowl was played with drummer Jay Lane filling in for Bill Kreutzmann. After the show the previous night, Billy posted on social media that he went straight from the venue to the hospital, where doctors determined he had returned to performing a little too soon and needed to rest. Kreutzmann ended his message by stating he hopes to be back performing with the band at their destination event in Mexico next January. Billy String celebrated Halloween over a three-night Wizard of Oz theme in Asheville, North Carolina. Goose spent Halloween weekend at the Palladium in Worcester, 
Saturday's show was a scorcher that included a brief jam on Fish's David Bowie, and Sunday's show was a full-on Austin Powers theme filled with many covers from the soundtracks of the movies. Green Sky Bluegrass celebrated Halloween a day early at the Ryman with a show featuring guest spots from Vince Herman, Lindsay Liu, Jason Carter, and others. Heading over to the Fillmore in Philly, Moe filled the set with, with Black Sabbath covers. Spafford played a Halloween Bob-themed show featuring the band members dressed up as various Bob characters and covers that match that. And that's just a selection of how everyone let it all hang out this past weekend. You can read all about those shows, hear clips from them, everything else on Jambase. I hope you had a good Halloween. I myself got to take my seven-year-old Graham out for some good old-fashioned trick-or-treating. Again, a tradition that was just sort of robbed from us last year, and it just felt great to be back out there. I hope you had a good one. All right, now on to my chat with Brad Barr. We'll mostly be talking about The Slip, one of my all-time favorite bands. Seriously, one of my all-time favorite bands. And this is a really nice chat. If you're a fan of The Slip, I think I can guarantee you that after listening to this, you'll be even more pumped that they are coming back for this run of shows. I think the band's in a super good spot for it, and it's just time. It is time for The Slip to be back playing music in front of you. It's my usual route home to studio, which is is fun. Uh, always an exciting, you know, lots of possibilities on the way to the studio. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's after thirteen or fourteen years down in that. It's sort of a half basement thing. Um, after so much time, it's still really fun. I still get super excited to go into the studio. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad about that because I don't think it's the case for most people that work, you know, in a, in a certain place that they always go to. I, I hope they have as much fun as I do, but uh. <laughs> I, I try to tell myself the same type of thing working at jam base, you know, sort of like, you know, a- any job, whether you're a musician or, or, or working on the side of the business that we do or anything, I think it's sometimes easy to to lose perspective. And so it's always nice to be uh, be reminded or remind yourself that you get to do what you do for a living. I have been to your guys' office a uh, bunch of times. That's that's a fun-looking office. Like it looks like you guys are having a good time. At least that's the impression you give us when we walk in. Maybe maybe when we leave, everybody you know goes and goes. <laughs> it goes back to corporate America as soon as yeah. uh, as soon as uh, as soon as any bar brother leaves. Yeah, 
we've probably had many offices since since the one that you uh, probably last went to, which was on Zoe Street in San Francisco. We've uh, we've probably been four or five different different spots now, which have all been all been cool in their own right. We're actually a bit more distributed now than we have been in the past. So like we have like some people in San Francisco, Boston, New York, Minnesota. Um, so some of us work in offices together. Some of us are just sort of working from wherever. But we always try to make it a point to still get together a few times a year. We just we all just went up to um the Woodsist Festival in New York and saw. Yola Tango and Woods and Kevin Morby and a bunch of bunch of really great music and a- almost the entire company all all flew in and we all got to hang out and stay in a house together and stuff. It was great. That's that's huge. I mean, there. Yeah, we um we just did a uh, some concerts in the in the forest at this sort of compound retreat of of this Montreal based company called Moment Factory and similar like their whole office 300 something people were camping out on this land for uh for the whole weekend and uh it's like you almost want to be a part of it just that that feeling of camaraderie and i don't know it's cool to be in a was that uh was that just you and andrew um it was myself andrew our harpist evelyn um and a singer, Ariel Engel. Um, and we were, I guess, technically opening for Patrick Watson <clears throat> as the Bar Brothers, but it was a completely unique situation. We placed ourselves along a, uh, it was um, in the woods, in, in a forest. So Pat's concert was like in the middle of the forest. And we placed ourselves along the trail leading to Pat's stage. So the musicians were staggered. We we couldn't see each other. Actually, I couldn't see Andrew or Ariel or Evelyn, but we had headphones um, and it was lit really cool. Like it started at, uh, at sunset. So it was lit really cool. We were kind of just playing ambient improvised music, you know, based on some themes, but uh, that was a, a very cool, strange experience that since doing that has made every, other concert i've been to which is only about two uh feel kind of pedestrian (laughs) yeah thank you thank you good word (laughs) i was about to i was about to put my foot in my mouth (laughs) um but yeah so it's you know that's um it's a cool thing that's that's come from this is you know having to come up with new ideas for how to handle concerts as as you know as venues are getting uh i've heard of venues having to chop their capacity or tours getting canceled trying to think of like ways to do out out, outdoor runs for in smaller but very unique and cool venues so um that was an experiment in that nice is that quartet lineup feeling like a bar brothers lineup i saw that you said somewhere recently that you're sort of thinking of the band as more like modular how did that how did that sort of configuration feel to do those shows with those two additional musicians um it it felt great it was um actually we were also we had richard reed perry uh the bass player from arcade fire join us uh for the the second of the two night two of the three nights um you know it I guess it, it really reminded me that we were, um, 
in some ways we were thinking ahead when when we named it the Bar Brothers because it kept it open. I mean, it felt really great. It was a it was a cool ensemble, and it just reminded me, oh, this will this is a nice way to do it. We can we can expand, contract. Um, we even did some duo shows back in in July. Um, so, I, yeah, I like that it's it's open. You know, there was especially you know the slip is is you know very much defined as as the three guys in the slip and it can't be anything else so it's nice to have a band that that can change um that said i always love the the you know getting with the gang and and you know when you've put years in together on the road the the kind of inside jokes and just the way you know each other's personalities that's priceless but um you know, the upside is, is you get to switch it up and, and meet new people and play with new people. So I, I guess I have a positive outlook nice. about it. Great. Yeah. Great. So the slip recently played a J rads event at lock-in. In fact, with how the weather ended up treating the attendees, the slip almost ended up playing a almost more than more than J rad. So how did those three first sets back in front of a, public audience treat you um obviously if you're listening to this you might you may know that uh, jam base had the slip play our 20th anniversary party back in in 2019 and before that i think it was like high sierra of three or four years before that 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 this that the three of you were playing in front of an audience and and ours was kind of like a a private party so um those three festival sets with the weather and uh, outdoor festival vibe, how did how did those three sets treat you? Well, let me first say that the the jam base event that we did it was kind of a, yeah it was a private um, jam base event, but it it still felt like a show because it was um, in a in that club Sweetwater Club. There was uh, a lot of people I didn't know, and we were on stage for the first time in in like you said three or four years. So that really galvanized us. Like we came off of that stage feeling great. And I think that was part of the inspiration for, you know, booking this tour and just, you know, pushing in that direction, um, direction of the slip after so many years. Um, the lock-in shows were, were great. No complaints. It's I, I don't know if it's something that has come now with age that I, I'm just less judgmental. Um, you know, I, I listened back to some of them and yeah, there was, you know, there were hiccups and guffaws and, uh, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't a hundred percent on all the time. Um, but I thought they were great. Like I had, I just had good feelings about it. Um, and, and yeah, we did get to play a lot for some reason our sets were just fell at this, at the right time when the, when the storms were all kind of, uh, taking a little break. Um, but unfortunately, like I was so excited to see Medeski and Martin, they only played once. Um, and, and, and we were on stage, which I, 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 I couldn't tell. I was like, part of me was just so thrilled to be on stage with them. Part of me was upset that I was on stage and not watching them. Right. Do an awesome <laughs> Like it was, I was torn between wanting to play and wanting to watch. Um, um, 
yeah, what can I say? I think the second of the three lock-in shows was probably, I don't know, maybe the first. They, they, they all had some really cool moments. Lots of cool moments, but overall, just uh, I think made us all feel even more psyched to be doing this tour. Like, wow, the the language we have together, um, the freedom. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure. Like with the Bar Brothers, there's so much kind of in place, and the parts we, we you know we know can lean on the other musicians a lot more to take some of the weight. With the slip, there's a lot of pressure on each person to, to keep it compelling for the other two and for the audience. Um, there's, there's like no tonal space to hide in the slip either, right? No, nowhere to hide. Um, and that's, that. I mean, I, as a, you know, as a young band coming up, it's such a great way to learn how to, um, you know, play economically, how to fill space, how to leave space. It was, you know, and then after 10 years of, of touring with that, I, I think it was I realized how much work it, it takes. Um, so it was, you know, I guess it's just that pendulum, you know, it was a relief to, to have the Bar Brothers as an outlet where I could be a little more composed. But now after doing the Bar Brothers for so long, it's, it's really great to come back to something so free falling as the slip. Yeah, it's um, I, I didn't. I didn't jot down too many too many notes to to, to talk to you, but you uh, sorry stole one of them that I was going to bring up. I, I really liked what you said. I think it was with Mike at, at Relics when you talked to him last year, and I just sort of wrote it down because it was about the it was about the jam based party, and you said that walking off that stage that you felt like you had a new way of approaching the slip, and that you were relaxed, present, and involved. Um, so I was, was going to ask you if that sort of hypothesis played out at a lock-in, but it sounds like it did. It, it sounds like sort of at least with three more sets behind you, you I can. It, it feels like you've conquered your psyche a little bit as it relates to Brad being one third of the slip. Um, did you say I, you quoted me? Relaxed, <laughs> uh, present, and involved, and, and involved. So that. Yeah. In, that was and that was a new way of playing with the slip and implying that uh, all the times before I was tense, uh, disconnected, and um, these, these are your words, right? I know it's it's always it's always my own words that that bite me in the ass. Um, I, I would like to think that that I mean that just sounds like you know being sort of in inside grace, you know, and that's. Uh, I, I don't know. I, 
Nathan put it well. It says grace is always there. It's I that comes and goes. And and I guess that's kind of my experience with with the slip. It's like it's a real you uh, really gauge where I'm at um, by how the the performances feel. You know, if uh, if I am relaxed and present and involved, you know, that's a that's a good sign about where I am personally, if I'm trying to push something in a direction or getting frustrated or, you know, feeling tense about it, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's me. It's my, I mean, I, I tend to put that on myself. It could be a lot of, there's so many factors that can determine the way you feel on stage from the the vibe of the room. Uh, but, you know, I tend to take the, the weight on that uh, myself and at least let's see it as an opportunity to check out where I am. And, and it's a good sign to know I, I can definitely agree with myself that uh, yeah. lately I've felt relaxed, present nice. and involved with the slip. Nice. Yeah. For the, the, the four most recent shows, uh, you feel in that way, I think probably, you know, was, uh, very, uh, exciting for for you and fans of the band for uh for these next eight shows yeah um, so so these next eight shows sort of like the biggest stretch of uh touring for the slip in a very long time and since then you've, you've obviously spent the majority of your time uh recording with and, and touring touring as the bar brothers now as you approach this tour, it, it got me wondering and sort of like looking back at at um at old set lists, the last time the slip was really active or sort of, you know, uh, active for the slip anyway, um, in, in those years, you were road testing a lot of songs that ended up on on Bar Brothers records, England and Love Ain't Enough and Give the Devil Back His Heart actually started as as slip songs and then got recorded on studio records and became came live staples of the Bar Brothers. Where do those songs sort of sit with you now? You sort of talked about this pendulum uh, with the Bar Brothers and the slip. Now that those songs have been performed hundreds of times with the Bar Brothers, do you ever feel like you want to give any of those songs that started as slip songs life on that stage as well? Or are they just kind of in the Bar Brothers catalog? Hmm. That's a great, that's a great question. And actually a great, uh, um, suggestion, whether you meant it that way or not. <laughs> um, you're like, I was looking, I was looking for songs. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I was thinking that we, you know, we have, uh, we got our list, but those, those would be nice additions. And I, I, I guess I, I, I hadn't forgotten that they started as slip songs, but I, I guess I had because they, it didn't occur to me to um, <clears throat> to include those in any of our sets, but that's a that's a great thought. Um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure Mark would probably remember them and 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 uh, if if prodded or, or or played a tape. But I mean, it, it sounds like if if maybe you hadn't thought of it, certainly your your answer for that catalog is is not. Oh no, those are Bar Brothers songs. Those aren't you know those aren't available for selection. For yeah, for the ones that that you know the slip um, did play, yeah. did play, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say anything's off, off limits, like just because you know there was a Bar Brothers song, say mid, you know, mid career. I I wouldn't say it was off limits of the slip, but especially those ones. Um, 
I would love to give them, see, see how we treat them. I mean, that would just be fun to, uh, Mark is, is such a, a great bass player and, and his, his treatment of, of uh, music. And, and I, I'm curious how he would treat those songs now. Yeah, especially um, yeah, 10 year 10 years later as well. Yeah. yeah. I remember playing loving enough with him. It was a much different song had a whole different form, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, we were sort of galvanized by that tune back in whatever it was. It could have been like 2006 or seven, maybe. It's hard, a little trickier because it, it has the two guitar lines, but um, I'll bet there's a I'll bet there's a short list of tunes that that have uh, a lot of crossover. Um, I think even Ubel, I think, was even a, a yeah. I think you guys did that yeah. too. Yep, yep. Yeah, and maybe Beggar in the Morning too. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, that one, that one, yeah. Who knows? Well, you you just opened a door that I, oh, okay. I, I really uh, all right. Consider. Okay. Yeah. Right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. You, uh, if it if it goes horribly, and uh, and, <laughs> and, and if playing those songs makes you not feel relaxed, present, and involved, you can call me after the oh. tour uh, oh. and and tell me it's all my fault. <laughs> uh, um, I doubt. I doubt that. I doubt you. Those things would happen. Because um, yeah, I mean, I I want to also say like just. Um, Maybe again, maybe it comes with with age or playing enough times. Like I, I'm so much less judgmental of um, of my performance and things. Like I, it used to really bum me out when I, you know, I, I mean, it's felt like every other show there was something that didn't go the way I wanted it to, and it would really bum me out. But um, in the last, you know, in the last ten years, I. I I, I've become much more at peace with things just happening the way they do. And, and I have really, I'm almost the last person that should be allowed to, to judge a thing as good or bad, because, you know, I'm right in the, in, when you're, when you're the one making it, it's like, you really don't have that, the right to do that. Um, and yeah, it was kind of, a, I, I, I just, I guess I realized it was kind of selfish to walk off stage and be like, ah, oh, I wasn't so good. And some, somebody is like, that was great. Yeah. What a good show. I don't know. It's like, what, what, who am I to, you know, paint someone's experience with, with my own, you know, I have my, all my own ways of perceiving the show. And I, it's, so yeah, I'm trying to keep, be more of an audience in, in that situation. Awesome. Awesome. Now I want you to take a little trip back with me in time we're gonna to go to like the late 90s 
early 2000s in our little live music orbit that we live in. The Slip have just put out a very jazzy sounding record, does. Marco and Joe are touring as the duo. There's no J-Rad. There's bands like Ulu and Uncle Sammy. Soul Live's playing as a trio and has the real Grant Green, Jimmy Smith kind of vibe. Modesky Martin and Wood is is actively touring. There's people like Mike Clark putting bands together and, and playing jam band festivals. It's this jazz jam element that was so much more prevalent 20 years ago than it is now. And, and some of those bands have gone away and some of those bands and musicians now play, you know, significantly different types of music. I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about like what that scene felt like 20 years ago when, when, when the slip, you know, more, you know, cleanly fit that mold as did some of these other bands. And also just any thoughts on why you think that sort of, you know, subgenre isn't as prevalent now as it, as it was 20 years ago. Hmm. It's a great observation and a really good, good topic to kind of chew on. I, I have not, thought about that myself um but just off the top of my head um I mean, you, you don't need to start with why it's not around anymore it was sort of like no, no, you know, more, it's like, more the first more the first yeah, part like, like how what, they, was, what was going on that that had all you guys finding finding that space back then yeah that that um well okay so I, I myself personally was listening to a lot more jazz back then. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I, if, if that was as um, unique to me as, as I thought it was like, it's possible that what was, you know, considered jazz at that time, like, and the, the artists that were kind of really visible, I'm thinking like, John Schofield, Joshua Redman, Christian McBride, like uh, even you know, if Frizzell, like, uh, and there and there's so many more. I feel like they were maybe experiencing a sort of heyday. I, I, I mean, I I could be wrong. I have no idea. Like, if you showed me the numbers, like, um, maybe I'm wrong. But I would guess that like that jazz was really alive in I mean, the Schofield Schofield's was definitely going through a renaissance, right? So a go-go with Modesky Martin Wood was right around then. So I think that's definitely, you know, uh, an album pointing that pointing in that direction. Redman, I think was uh, just getting started. He, he was putting out really great early records right around then for sure. Um, Nora Jones too, kind of, I mean, maybe, maybe she was a little bit later. Um, Hard to say, I, I get fuzzy there, but the, the point is, the point that I'm, I guess I'm sort of grasping for is uh, I think maybe, maybe jazz was experiencing a, a real kind of um, appreciation at, at that time. I, I don't know where it stands these days. I don't know like how, how those artists are doing. Um, I think there's been so many, so much so many changes in music you know like with sort of hip-hop and you know i know that there's a, a pure jazz scene in 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 every major city in america but as far as like kids listening to it i mean we were we were kids pretty much we were you know in our 
late teens, early twenties, and we were really digging on these, you know, experienced seasoned jazz jazz players. Um, at the time, I did think that was kind of unique to us, but maybe maybe it wasn't so much. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been a kid in so long, and it's been <laughs> more, more you know more uh, removed from from any scene lately, but. Um, I guess, at the, uh, you know, there were some bands, Modesky, Martin and Wood, who like um, really, really brought, like um, really made it super palatable for, for us at the time. We wanted thing, wanted something progressive and funky and grooving and, and edgy, but also really, you know, could hear all the, they were playing monk tunes, they were playing Mingus tunes and, um, I mean, even fish, like in the early nineties, they were, uh, the first time I heard of, uh, satin doll or, uh, what, what are they would do standards and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Very, do. very early. Yeah. They do, uh, do uh Don, Don, Donna Lee and, and, and satin doll and, and caravan. And, and they had those yeah. tour, tours where they brought out, uh, Grippo and the horns and, and, and stuff like that. But they also shed it very early. It was like they, as soon as they started playing bluegrass covers, the jazz covers, right. the jazz covers all went away and like they're playing Rocky Top instead of instead of Satin Doll and Old Home Place instead of uh, Donna Lee and stuff. So they as well. Um, maybe it's just something about people uh, uh, of of your cloth get uh, more of your jazz yayas out younger and maybe we just didn't do as good a job recruiting a, a next class of it. Well, I mean, we... You know, when Andrew and I are playing together, we still we still love, you know, love playing bebop, love love trying to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the slip. I shouldn't like overstate that, you know, like, you know, the slip recorded Eisenhower and they don't play like that anymore. Like, that's not the case. Like, there were plenty of moments in both the jam bass sets and those lock in sets where you guys are playing those older songs and 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 finding that sound as well. But but to a degree, it's it's true. Like well, you know, by the time Eisenhower was out, we we weren't, you know, and maybe if we had like a, a a whole night, you know, two sets, I don't think we'd throw something in there. But we certainly weren't trying to put our, our jazz chops at the forefront like we did early right. on. Um, and and I, for me, I can personally say that it 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 was, I mean. I, I I would say it's it's that kind of as you get a little older and why I mean the first thing you do is you imitate. This is Clifford Brown. Imitate, assimilate, innovate. The first thing you do is you imitate the people you admire. And that's what we were doing then. You know, we weren't we weren't making a unique contribution to to jazz, to improvised music, really. We were at best I was trying to sound like, you know, Wes Montgomery or Joe Pass or Schofield, um, and then started kind of incorporating it, figuring out how to work it with our own sound. At some point, I realized I'm I'm probably the way I lean. I'm I'm going to make I'm going to find my voice in something else that's not jazz. And and so for me, that's the moving away from it was really that it was like I've got to explore what what it is that's going to make 
my contribution to music unique. Um, and, you know, and, and those influences are always there and that's one of the cool things, but playing them straight ahead, you know, that's just, now that's something we just do, you know, to keep my, keep my mind active, to keep my fingers active and keep, keep that, the role of that, uh, alive for myself. Um, that's personally kind of why we, we moved away from it. I think we just started to see our own contribution, our own things take us in a different way. Yeah. As far as why it's not in it, so present in this, in the scene, I, I guess, you know, I, I, <laughs> this would be a good time for me to go on a, like, uh, an, an old man rant about kids, <laughs> kids these days, not, uh, not knowing where the, where music comes from. They don't, they don't know Louis Armstrong. Um, yeah, but I think, I think, you know, good musicians, ki kids that are like, who, who are really about to blow our minds they are aware of all that they're digging into it you know and then and because you have to it to be a great musician you have to be humble and to be humble you have to know what came before you and that means you're going to discover all these awesome musicians yep and, and you and me can just agree to disagree about uh what the slip was Bringing that was or was not unique on those on those early records. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I don't mean to take away from yeah that there was there was I uh, we did we did actually find sort of a way to to do it our way and uh, um I I've guess all, I've always I've always really loved does I think like it has such like a nice warm timbre of the of the record and i think uh, you guys were certainly exploring new space at that time wow well wow, that that's great to hear i i would say that's the one record like uh that none of us <laughs> are you know none of us talk about you know we would, we would almost um i know that uh ted tk keeps saying we got to get does up on spotify and we're like really we <laughs> We we gotta get that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but maybe well, I need. I remember yeah. Tohu Tohu Bohu. I remember that was a cool one. Uh, like like cool. That's had something. What else was on that? I know Hey Warrior is embarrassing. Uh, I'll give you Hey Warrior. Not my not my favorite. Not my favorite yeah. track on that record. But uh, uh, Rhythm and Gold, like the entire like intro to Rhythm and Gold, the way it the way it oh, builds. Yeah. I've always I've always really liked that track. Hmm. Yeah, big open tuning. I, I think it was the first time I used an open tuning on a record. Was oh, that okay. tune?
way, we, we, we've talked about your records. We talked about Eisenhower. It was a long time ago. Now, what's the uh, what's the prognosis look like? Does uh, recording a new uh, album of, of material with the slip interest you these days? We're actually right now working on a single tune. Okay. Um, I I feel confident enough that it's going to come out that um, before this tour that I can talk oh. about it. About three years ago, maybe four years ago, a friend of ours up here in Montreal, um, Howard Billerman, who runs Hotel Tutango, a great studio, started it with um, the Godspeed Black Emperor crew. Howard was also the drummer on the first Arcade Fire record. And just a really great guy. He's always looked out for us since we got here and started the Bar Brothers. He called us and said, guys, um, Steve Albini is in town. Howard brought him here to do a, a producer seminar as part of the Pop Montreal thing. He's like, Steve's here for a couple extra days. Um, would you like to record with him in the studio? You'd, you'd have to, I, I'll, I'll give you the studio for free. You just have to pay Steve's day rate, which is like a thousand bucks a day or something. So uh, the Bar Brothers had just finished Queens of the Breakers. So we were sort of tapped. We didn't have any, there's nothing urgent. We felt like going in the studio with the Bar Brothers, but we thought, let's, why don't we do a slip thing? Why don't we get Mark up here? So that's what we did. Mark came up and uh, for two days, we tracked with Steve Albini. Uh, one day tracking, the next day, uh, mixing, I guess. Um, he did it all to tape. The computer was off. There was no computer to monitor or computer on at any time. Uh, eventually, we transferred it to Pro Tools and and we opened it up when we booked the store and it looked like it was really happening. We, we opened up that session, which had now been transferred to Pro Tools. Um, you said this was three years ago, the session? Three years ago, the session. Maybe four. We opened up the file uh last month and and um started kind of finishing up one of the tunes we did with him and so that is what we will be releasing assuming we already released it by the time this interview <laughs> comes out assuming no no catastrophes happened that the hard drive didn't get wiped or that the um uh that's um that's the song we're going to be putting out. It's, uh, I don't want, I won't say too much about it. It's, it's, it's probably going to sound like it much different for slip fans than, than what they're used to. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was one of the songs on the table at the time. And, uh, I really like it. It's super fun. I think it's got a great sound and Steve Albini's touch. It's like, it's like hanging with a, a chef, like having a chef make you a, a meal with just using salt and pepper and whatever protein he's using. It's one of the best tasting things. You're like, how did you get it to taste this good? And it's like, well, I just, just use the right amount of salt and the right amount of pepper and, you know, a little olive oil. That's it. Super excited to, uh, to hear that track. It's, um, some of the slip have not played from a stage before. It'll be, it'll be brand new to everybody. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to figure out how to play it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) since there's like uh backup singers and um and all this, uh, but it's it's actually pretty pretty straightforward. It's really just guitar, bass, and drums, and a couple other couple other things. But if it if it's out, if if it's out and you guys have it, it, I believe it's called Super Terranean Onlyness, and uh, 
yeah, I, I look forward to playing it. Fantastic. All right. So the slip are heading out on tour. Uh, it, it starts November 11th at the higher ground in South Burlington. Then they play Providence and Cambridge. And uh, I, unless something happens with me, I'll be at those two ones. Um, you can come say hi to me and Brad I'm at those Providence and Sinclair shows. And then they head into two, two nights, Brooklyn Bowl in Philadelphia, two nights at the Brooklyn Bowl in New York, and then cap it off at Levon Helms Barn there. The Bar Brothers have played there once before, right, too? You've done the that one once before? Twice, twice I think. Twice? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We, we definitely... I, you know, I don't think we're on a lot of people's radar right now. So just have knowing that you're helping us um, get the word out means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if the slip are coming to your town, it means they have not come to your town in quite some time. So you should go check it out. Beautiful. That's it for this episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. Keep your eyes and ears out for that new slip track Brad was just talking about. I think it'll be out there any day now. Big thanks to Jake Alexander, as always, for editing the podcast. Big shout out to Amy Kahn and Scott Bernstein for holding down the Jam Bass Podcast all these other weeks. You know, this is episode 103 of the Jam Bass Podcast, and that's not even including all the ones we did for Clusterflies and all these other crazy things that have come on this feed. We wouldn't keep doing it if you weren't out there listening. So thank you so much for listening to the Jam Bass Podcast. And remember, go see live music.